Hello and welcome to Midlife Opportunity. My name is Dr. Connor Hogan and I'm coming to you through this huge technology called the internet and television on the NGBN.TV network from a little old place on the west coast of Europe called Ireland. So I'm very excited today, but not in a good way, because although we have a fantastic guest, I'm a little bit confused as a person as to the morality of what this guest has done. And so a lot of us, you know, we steal things. Like, I'll be honest, hands up straight away. When I was a little child, I remember going into um, a shopping mall with my mother. She used to do the shopping every Wednesday. And when I was very small, I used to tag along. I used to uh, just go with the what we call the trolley and I'd hop actually inside the trolley and then as she went along and looked for the different things with regard to you know the detergents and the milk and the bread and all the necessities of the household I'd see little things on the shelves and I'd be like um, fascinated by the colors the shape the branding whatever it was and I might just kind of go oops in you go into the trolley and of course my mother didn't know anything about this until later on, maybe a half hour or an hour later, we were at the uh, pay desk, the kiosk and so on. The cashier would say, oh, you know, you want this? And this, of course, was back in the time before there was anything like electronics to be able to just zap it through. And so it was a big conversation that ensued between my mother and the cashier. And no, I didn't ask for this. And of course, a lot of what was fascinating to me was the sugar, the candy, the sweet stuff. And I'd pop them in. Of course, straight away, my mother knew she didn't have dementia or something like that. In fact, she knew that she was with a child who was very young, three years of age or so, and was stealing. But they didn't know any better. And I didn't know any better. And once I realized, I said, hey, that's it. I ain't going to do this anymore. And so, you know, rock on a couple of you know weeks later, my brother, who was a couple of years older, but still very young, he came with us and he was like, come on, we'll do this. And I was like, no, 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 we don't do this. And this is why. And then we had an open conversation with myself and my mother and him. And it was, you know, you don't take from others. It's as simple as that. Now, that's very small. You know, these sweets, just these candies, like, you know, two or three cent. That was it. But our guest today is a guy called Chris. Now, Chris is a middle-aged man. And let's talk about theft on a larger scale, a much larger scale than that. And he's middle-aged, so he should morally know much better. But maybe he didn't do it exactly like I've just described. Or maybe he was, in some ways, very unknowing to the subconscious ways of what was happening. Or maybe it was just that he didn't have control of his business. Because he was a CEO of a big company. And we're going to find out in a couple of minutes exactly how much money was invested, exactly how much money went astray, how it went astray, and what exactly was his feelings and his actions at that time. And of course, at the end of it all, where is he now? And where does he find the midlife opportunity? It's a fascinating story. And often, you know, we see books every day coming out and we wonder, 
gosh, should I purchase that one or that one or which one is the best? But if you look at the cover of this book, it's called Burning Bellatorium. Check it out here. You've got fire. And straight away when I saw that, I thought, hey, fire must represent anger. And I know for a fact that there's a lot of anger with regard to this particular story that you're going to hear in a few minutes. But I implore you to listen, to watch and so on, and to think to yourself, well, like underlying, what is this man feeling both at the time of it occurring during the process and also right now? Because luckily for me, when I was very young, at three years of age, the shop assistant, the cashier didn't mind. They figured he's three years of age. Let him learn. His mother is teaching him. It was cool. But there's also an outcome for a middle-aged man if indeed there is theft or widespread fraud at play. So check it out right after this break, a midlife opportunity where you'll be able to avoid all these pitfalls and see the opportunity in life rather than a midlife crisis. I'll be right back, and you will too, by taking this opportunity after this break. What do you think you're doing, Kevin? I uh, was just going to drive home. Ah, uh, ah, uh, uh, there are several warning signs present that you shouldn't be driving. Like hearing voices? Like your text to emoji ratio? Oh man, the selfies. <laughs> selfies nailed it. We all have warning signs that let us know that we're probably not okay to drive. Mine is pretending to be your subconscious. Craig, come on man, let's put a ride home. Hello and welcome back to Midlife Opportunity, the show where you can be part not only of the just the NGBN.tv network, which is a fantastic community-based television station for men looking for personal development guidance in all aspects of life, from money, wealth, relationships, to health and so on. But also to this particular show, Midlife Opportunity, where you can avoid the crisis of midlife. You know, you hit your 40th birthday or your 50th birthday or 55th or 60th or whatever, and then suddenly you have an issue or you just are sluggish or you're coming out of a pandemic and you need a little bit of direction. We have an interview today with a man called Chris Bentley. He was head of a company called Bellatorium. He will tell us all about it in a synopsis in a minute. But first, it's going to be a tricky enough interview. It's going to be tough enough because things are not that easy right now, I presume, in Chris's life. But we'll find out in a minute. Let's introduce Chris first off and just ask him a couple of easy peasy questions in a mindful midlife minute. Chris, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, Doc. No, you're very welcome. It's great to have you. I'm hoping that we can learn a lot and avoid the pitfalls that unfortunately you, or fortunately, we'll see, uh, you in the, ended up falling into essentially. But first off, let's just chill out a little bit, okay? Because I know that you're a fan of Gladiator. And so I want to ask you this question. My funny little accent is Irish, but what country is Gladiator set in? Oh, um, so do you mean like where it was actually shot or 
in the movie where well you can say both at. because you know what what okay give me an answer because i i have a i, I actually have a, a reaction to that that's okay worse so than any answer could my be, trust me. my <laughs> one of my favorite movies of all time but uh it starts out in germany um they're in the war with the Germanic tribes. I think they go through North Africa when he is a slave and then eventually make their way to Rome. You know what? I, I have to I have to say that it's my mistake here. I was visualizing incorrectly and I was thinking of Braveheart. And of course that's oh, and he's Yes. Yeah, Scotland, the other guy. Yeah. The other guy. Yeah. Exactly Scotland. <laughs> so uh, Braveheart and William Wallace and all these things. Anyway, they're all back in the 1990s when we were younger. We're now middle-aged men, so maybe our memories are going, and maybe it's mine. So how's your memory? <laughs> Let me think. How are you at mass in school? Maybe a lot of people thinking about my introduction to this particular show will think he's not that great at maths. but let's see. What is 11 multiplied by 7? That's easy. 77. So easy. Oh, yeah, that's so easy, <laughs> isn't it? So multiply 7 by 56, then. Ooh, um, that would be uh, 350 plus 42, 392. Is that right? Interesting. We will find out soon after this break. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> so <laughs> lastly, you're also a fan of Bob Marley. What's your favorite song? Right now, coming in from the cold. <laughs> <laughs> what lyric kind of touches you at the moment on that song? Um, that the the chorus, the the title of the song, and the chorus also, um, you know, with some cold dark days, uh, and I probably still have some ahead, but um, you know, coming clean about this whole thing uh, definitely lifted a weight off my shoulders or got rid of some of the, you know, the quote unquote cold uh, metaphorically. Hmm. OK, so we're going to get into this whole thing like you put it right now. But just to say 392 is correct. Bingo. You're not too bad on the old figures. So the calculator is working OK as a middle aged man. Yeah. I mentioned this book and this lovely fiery uh, front to it, Burning Bellatorium. But let me just read an excerpt here at the back of the blurb. It says, on April 9th, 2021, so this is just, you know, 18 months ago, less even, Chris Bentley, the man here we have in front of us, wrote an email to his stakeholders admitting having squandered millions. I'm not talking about small change here. Millions of investor dollars at the C as the CEO of Bellatorium Resources which is a Texas-based, or was a Texas-based energy fund. What the heck were you at, Chris? How did that happen? Man, it's a long story, but, uh, you know, basically uh, got underwater in, in business. And instead of shutting down the company, um, thought that I could, you know, lie basically and 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 cheat for lack of better terms to buy some time to weather a storm basically you know without all the the boring you with all the details which hopefully we'll get into some later but um you know dug myself deeper and deeper into a hole covid came pandemic i kept lying and 
fudging numbers to get through it, thinking that, hey, we can just hit one home run eventually uh, and and get through this and nobody will be none the wiser till I got to a point to where um, the guilt and the burden and the the financial hole that I was in, everything just got to be to a point to where uh, it was unbearable, and I I just came clean in that email on April 9th, uh, as it okay. as you read. So essentially, just to let the viewers know as well, just to let the, the viewers know as well, Chris, thank you for that. Is that this was fraud, and I want you to explain just briefly as well what type of fraud it was, because I know you mentioned it in your book, in Burning Bellatorium, but I just want you to mention exactly what type of fraud, just in case people are a little bit on the sideline about this because sometimes people kind of go, well, you know what? You've got a lot of money. People invest it and it's their chance they're taking the investors. And so this guy, he was a CEO. He did his best. And what do you do? It's business. You win some, you lose some. It's not exactly like taking, you know, candy out of the cookie jar or taking it from the shop, like I mentioned, or the store earlier on. So like what exactly? Financial statement fraud or something like that, wasn't it? Could you explain it to me? Well, it was a handful of things. So whenever you have an investment fund, and this will be relevant for for listeners, right? Because if you invest, the people managing your money have a certain way that they are allowed to use that money. And some of that is for uh, the expenses of operating the company. And the majority of it is for making the actual investments, buying the property, the investments, the real estate, whatever type of investment it is, that's what they'll use the money to purchase those investments. And then okay. some of that money is used for managing the overhead. Well, what I did was I was not making enough money. So I, I, you know, everything that you mentioned, I did. I, I lied on financial statements. I forged documents. I uh, doctored statements, all that stuff to move money around so that then I could use the money um, to cover the payroll and expenses of the company. And, you know, uh, while I didn't enrich myself and I actually lost all my own money in my house and everything like that as well, um, it doesn't make it okay. I still used uh, illegal activities to try to survive. So some people argue that, you know, intent is what matters most. But uh, at the end of the day, I still broke the law. I'm still facing uh, prison time, um, which I'll find out soon. But, um, you know, regardless, I, I would argue the intent doesn't matter as much because, you know, I actually still did the crime. And unfortunately, have to um, you know there are bad consequences for that. Or fortunately, so there are, you in know. the book, in the book, you've mentioned as well how sorry you are, and you also said that at the very beginning there of the of the show with regard to getting it off your chest and the weight coming off your shoulders and that. But was it more that you were sorry toward the investors and the people around you, your family, etc.? Uh, and to quote uh, maybe a song from your. Uh, great following of Bob Dylan there, No Woman, No Cry. I know you have expressed, again in the book, that you've expressed your fond and endeared love for your wife Mary and the support that she's given you and other people around you. So obviously you did show that remorse in that regard. But like, did you have any remorse with regard to the whole company structure other than the investors? Like, just taking, like, 
as a as a as a right and wrong thing like I described with the child there earlier on. Like or was it just the people and the investors like I mean how deep does this remorse go? I mean it's extremely deep. It's the the ripple effects are massive. It's the investors had financial losses. Um my employees ended up losing their job and having uh, you know, this on their resume, there were people that I used to orchestrate my fraud, uh, unbeknownst to them. So they are now kind of, um, innocent bystanders or victims, if you will, like, uh, auditors and accountants and lawyers who, uh, I would lie to, to get them to, you know, they, I want to make it clear, they didn't participate or even know what they were doing, but I deceived them in order to make this all work, you know, work out. And, um, and so there's a lot of remorse for those, all those people that I negatively affected. Um, so, you know, during the, the period but, of this whole kind of lying game going on, let's say, or this kind of management or mismanagement as it was, this period of time, like, how your behavior must have been showing because as you said there again weight off the shoulder so were there other inconsistencies in your behavior was there other people around you that kind of went this guy isn't like managing well within himself like was there any symptomatic ways that other people could notice there was something wrong with you or the way you were behaving or managing at that time you know, Doc, I, I'm not sure um, what people observed of me, but I will say that that was part of the, um, the extreme weight and stress was putting on the act and the show that everything was okay. So presumably, I was able to pull that off because nobody knew anything or reported anything or thought uh, to, to question me, you know, and, and I don't think, you know, I think there was enough people, there were enough people involved that if they would have noticed something that they felt was like seemed wrong, they would have either brought it up to me or somebody else, because okay. as you've stated, we were dealing with a lot of, investor money and things that would have raised red flags had um had people known you know or had so tell me this right on that particular day april 2021 you've mentioned COVID, right COVID started and came to the u.s shores in march 2020 the effects of COVID on a lot of businesses and companies were very well known certainly by the end of summer and into the winter early winter, 2020, 2021. Why did it take until April, 2021? What was the trigger for that, for you to send that email? Well, like I was saying in the beginning, I thought that we, you know, I was like, can this last forever? Like winter, winter, when's the government going to let up on restricting everything? When's the demand for oil and gas going to come back? All this. So I thought, you know, that I could buy some time and push like, hey, if we can just weather the storm, get through it, get through it, then I'll eventually be able to, um, you know, pull a rabbit out of the hat and win or hit a home run, as I said. And uh, but but they just got to a point to where it was 
such a house of cards, if you will, um, that and, and a and a just an extreme level of guilt and filth when I looked in the mirror about what I was doing that um, I just felt I had to that the only next option was just to stop the lies and just say, hey, look, I'll figure out another way to make everybody whole, but it's not going to be by continuing to lie and try to wait okay. for so you're um, you're remorseful okay there has to be consequences to those actions millions of dollars more than one investor mm -hmm. more than one person in your personal life that was affected like you said house of cards everyone around you was affected what are the consequences that you're facing right now because i know in the last week or so that perhaps you were interviewed or in in a discussion with uh, federal agents. Where is it at right now? How does that make you feel? Unfortunately, I don't have the um, the exact, uh, you know, what the outcome is going to be yet. I do know that supposedly by November 18th, which is just, a, you know, about um, five or six weeks away, um, that, that I, this should all be wrapped up and that I will have the final verdict. Uh, in the U.S. federal system, legal system, there are sentencing guidelines, and based and they're based on the crime, the dollar amounts, the number of investors. You know, there's a lot of things that go into those sentencing guidelines, and it's a point system. So the federal public defender calculated those points and has stated that I'm looking at potentially. Uh, seven to 12 years of prison time and um, that, you know, the, based on the federal sentencing guidelines, that's what uh, I could expect in, in time uh, in prison. So how does that as a human being, even if the seven comes or the 12, like one or the other or neither nor and you get off, there's still five years of a difference. It's almost double seven to 12. That's a large, a, a lot of time for a person in middle age. If we sit here and think about COVID, the average person and going through COVID, and a lot of people say the phrase, I've wasted a couple of years of life with COVID. So seven to 10, seven to 12, whatever, it's a lot of life. Like you have this book, Burning Bellatorium. Some people would say, why is he writing a book? Like, what's the idea of writing the book? And, you know, like, how are you going to atone for this? Or do you think you can? Like, What's the next steps here? And what have you learned more so as a midlife man? Where's the opportunity in this, Chris? Well, there's a lot of opportunity here. That And then the, the question, why'd you write the book, is twofold. First and foremost, to make investors whole. If, you know, it would have to become an international bestseller, which, you know, I'm no Stephen King, but there's a lot of valuable, applicable lessons in this book um, that can apply to business leaders, entrepreneurs, investors. So I think it's a, a book that anybody could derive value from in, in these lessons. And, and so all 100% of the proceeds go towards investor restitution. So, you know, I okay. think it's, it, it can serve that purpose. Um, the midlife opportunity, Doc, is, um, you know, I learned a lot from this process, you know, I was so hell bent on not failing. And again, this isn't your typical 
Wolf of Wall Street fraud where I was out, you know, buying fancy cars and cocaine and hookers with investors money. This is, you know, and, and again, this doesn't make it okay what I did, but I was using the money to try to keep the business alive in hopes that one day we could turn it around and that all the investors would end up, you know, getting their money back and making a profit and, and, and everything would go on as normal. Well, um, and what motivated that I think is an extreme sense that a lot of men can, can, can relate to is like failure is not an option, right? A lot of men, we hear that we, we tend to live by it. We're like, we cannot fail. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll, yeah. I'll work late or whatever. But when you really boil down to it, if you let that, uh, belief take hold of who you are, if failure is not an option, then that means you'll do whatever it takes to succeed. And if that includes lie, cheat, steal, break the law. And so, um, that's one of the big lessons in the book. And then, of course, there are more nuanced, detailed lessons within there. But uh, I think it's a great illustration of how you can fail forward, which is the cliche term they use nowadays. But use my failure to teach yourself so that you don't end up in prison like I'm about to. <coughs> okay. I appreciate you coming on, Chris. Um, it can't be easy. It's one thing, you know, sending emails out to investors and receiving calls because I know as you wrote in the book that your your phone blew up once you sent that email in April 2021 and you know from there you had a lot of explaining to do we're nearly 18 months down the line right now as this is recording so I appreciate it because you're in a sticky situation right now and we have to forgive and we have to move forward. Like you said, you said fell forward in business, but we also have to move forward with people around us. So thank you so much for coming in. And let's hope we can learn from it. Guys, this is Midlife Opportunity. You just heard a nugget there from Chris, who is about perhaps to face the music in every sense of the word. And there'll be years that he'll have to commit perhaps to the federal justice and the whims of it and exactly where it's springing and perhaps prison, perhaps jail, who knows? This is something from our actions and our actions, of course, are going to tell us to come back and take the midlife opportunity right after this break. And remember, there's other shows on ngbn.tv. You can check me out, connor.com or give me an email. See what you think of this show. See what you think of this particular interview on Connor C-O-N-O-R at docconnor.com and we will talk about it maybe in the next episode until then though take that opportunity and come back after this break this is what too much sounds like this is what stress feels like. And this is what help feels like. If you've lost a job, worry about your next meal, or have trouble making it through the day, we can help. Text STRESS to 211211 to find a solution. Dr. Connor Hogan here, and welcome back to Midlife Opportunity. You can check out midlifeopportunity.show or check out all the shows on ngbn.tv, the station for personal development and the midlife man. 
I'm a midlife man. You just heard from Chris Bentley, who is also a midlife man. But due to the circumstances that he has found himself in in the last 18 months or so, and the future, perhaps, who knows, the dictation of the federal courts services and, of course, the law, he may find himself an older man by the time he gets the opportunity to do an interview like this again. But he has left us, if indeed that is the case, with a burning reminder of the burning Bellatorium. This is the book. Trust me, I've read this book. And Chris referred to the fact that it is a book which has a lot of lessons for not just CEOs like he was, but also to for entrepreneurs. And I can wholeheartedly agree with that for sure. There is no doubt a lot of lessons of, at the very least, how to avoid all of these pitfalls. Because in many ways, as an entrepreneur, for example, or of course, as a CEO, as a leader, you have all this paperwork. You have forms to fill out. You are responsible for people underneath you who you must trust to be able to fill out these forms, to be competent enough. And that in itself causes stress. And this can then change the way we think because there's different parts of our brain. And so if one is interrupted with stress, it can take over another part, which then allows us to be kind of spread towards a series of thoughts that are essentially best case, worst case scenario, immediate actions I should and can only take. And in many ways, you cannot see the wood from the trees. Now, I'm not for one minute saying or claiming good or bad with regard to our guest today, Chris Bentley. That's up to the powers that be. But what I am saying is that the lessons that you find in Burning Bellatorium are great lessons, for sure. But also, I think Chris made a fantastic synopsis there at the end with regard to how certain things can take over. And then you're just, you know, you push towards certain decisions and he made them. And that's essentially the psychological aspect of the ego versus the self, one and the other. And we live in a very ego-driven world around us. And this is why a lot of depressions and mental health issues, anxieties and so on exist in this world. And that's why as men and potential leaders, and we mentioned very uh, kind of funny way earlier on with regard to Gladiator and also the, uh, the other movie, where there's you know huge rippling men in the ancient times, tribal leaders and so on, and they are trying to you know just lead as men, like push through physically strong men, limited vocabulary perhaps, Neanderthal perhaps, but they're just leading by action, and so we have to make sure our actions are our words in a good way, and that it's coming from a self rather than an ego. And that's the modern world that's fast and rat-paced, but we need to be able to clinically realize who am I doing this for? Who is around me that I love and care for? Where do I want to be? What can it give us? Rather than looking perhaps at the dollar sign and everything else, but the relationships of investors and people around us that help us, they've earned the money too. So we need to be able to have remorse which I think you'll agree Chris has shown in this interview and this show. So you can get in touch with me on this or any show at 
connor at docconnor.com. Check me out at docconnor.com. I'm on all the social medias, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and so on. We deal with upbeat things too. And also midlifeopportunity.show. It's on the ngbn.tv network, but we're out of time. But there's always time for you, my friend, because it's your midlife. It's an opportunity. So take it. Learn the lessons. Go ahead. Breathe the air and be positive in your next actions. Remember yourself and not your ego. Until next time, as we say here in Ireland, bye-bye and slow.